0: Welcome back to Clinically Impressed Season 1, Episode 7. We're talking about a lot of stuff today. One is conservatorship, but we have a special guest on our pod today. So her name is Liz, and Liz, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, I am a person who just loves people. I love my family, friends. I'm very passionate, Um, and I will identify as a backyard farmer. So I love animals. So I have chickens and dogs, oh. and human children, and yeah, all, all human things. Children. <laughs> yeah, human children. Gotta add those four-legged to the list. children. Yeah, <laughs> for oh vegetables, gosh. fruit, all kinds of things.
0: You have chickens. That's so yes, awesome. Their names, I saw Anna something and Elsa. the other day about. You. Oh my gosh! Do they sing too every morning? What your kid's name. They
1: them? they make sounds to me when I say good morning. They go. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh. Oh. Not really. That's oh, not how God. it sounds at all. But you
1: know, similar. Right.
0: That's so I do cute. feel like they're mocking me it. a little
1: bit when I say good morning.
0: <laughs> like
1: a parent. my chickens neighbors so- to think I'm crazy. Oh my gosh! No,
2: I love it. When I was in high school, we had a farm and we had chickens, and they're so <sighs> healthy for like your yard and oh. keeping rodents out yeah. and stuff. I'm obsessed. Yeah.
1: Do they lay eggs? They do. do. Eggs? I lay eggs. Oh, they lay so eggs. Cool. I get fresh <laughs> eggs every morning, and um, they're amazing. They're. I think. I mean, I love dogs, um, and obviously, I love my children, but the. Chickens are like the easiest thing that I think I care for. You know, like they okay, contribute to the family. I contribute to their well-being and they're just happy and simple and company, you know? So,
2: yeah. They're so fresh. Yeah. Like chickens, I think people have this idea that they're like nasty and you can't hold them and stuff. Yeah. And they're just the cutest. Like you do
1: just hold yeah. them. Yeah. They're super cuddly. I love chickens. I, it
2: wasn't until I had chickens yeah. in high school that I really realized how stupid we all were when we were thinking like buying organic chicken, free range <laughs> chickens. And all after we had chickens, yeah. I was like, chickens can't be really free range. They're the most helpless creature <laughs> right. in the world. Right, right, You have to have them in a cage yeah. because everyone wants to eat Correct.
1: them. Correct. Yes. The cats,
2: the dogs, yes. the coyotes, everybody. everybody like, yes. Going no. for them. Yeah.
1: And
0: they're so peaceful. They're like,
1: what are you doing? Hi. No.
0: Oh, no, yeah. I just want to go. Uh, sh- sh- <laughs> so now I'm concerned about free range eggs. So I yeah, really that's free a, range. That's a, le- that's a no. legal term. Uh, that's not okay, real. No,
2: okay, okay. free
0: range. Just get the ones that are on I looked
2: sale. At, yeah, I looked. I looked that up legally, and I think that means a certain amount of square feet within within a confined. Oh. space. Uh, that's what
0: free range means. So they range yeah, with limits. I see.
2: <laughs> well, because chickens can't be free. You're range You're right. They yeah. run yeah. away. They, they They'd die. Well. They yeah. would be killed, yeah. yeah. I mean, this we're getting wild. <laughs> okay. well, um, let's circle back to today. I can go off yeah. on chickens. Leave let's circle back. I'll
0: get you off topic, I'm just saying. Today is the topic for Hot Topics, so go ahead and share what the hot topic is this week, Rebecca.
2: Well, I don't know if the rest of the world is sleeping, but everyone is talking about Britney Spears' memoir. Okay. I can't wait to get my hands on so, that thing. Uh, you mean, uh, yes, I got to give it to you. Sorry. <laughs> if, if you think I didn't pre-order that shit off of Amazon and have it waiting for me on October 24th, you'd be wrong because I did. It. I was so excited. And let me just first get into how it was really written. And I love reading books. And it was very difficult, honestly, for me to kind of get into it in the
0: beginning. Is it because she's the writer um, or does she have a ghost writer?
2: I – believe she was the at least according to the cover I mean you know you never really know but she's the writer and then obviously everything is heavily edited and I believe I saw that it was supposed to be like 300 something pages and it was only like 200 gosh like 260 or 280 like not that so a lot was cut so who knows what that's about because there's, you know, oh. a lot of people talked in that. Huh. I mean, genuine is mentioned in it.
0: So, like, oh my gosh.
2: it's minimally. Well, minimally. yeah.
0: So is Mariah um, Carey, I heard. She's in there. Yes. Little plug for her. Minimally.
2: But it was so, yeah. She talks about this photo that she takes with her oh. and how it's, like, her most priced possession. And it's the whole scene about that photo that they took together is so Mariah Carey, if you're a fan of Mariah. Aww. You're like, oh, yeah, I could totally see this. Because she, like, I think Brittany even talks about how... Uh, Mariah Carey like knew about lighting before. Oh yeah, had ring lights. It's just it's a cute little. Mariah confirmed
0: it Um, on on one of the talk TV shows. She said, "Yeah, I've had a a ring light for a long time. You cover the bottom half, and then whoop, I'm glowing. I'm like, okay, girl, do your thing. (laughs)
2: Every photo she's she's so gorgeous. Yeah, every photo she's ever in is. Well, she just got unpacked Um, for
0: November, you know. Her Mariah Carey mm-hmm. songs oh, coming yeah. out for Christmas. Oh, yeah. it's She's thawing it's out. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's that time of year. God,
1: I love her so okay. much. Okay,
0: back, back, to, back to Brittany's memoir. <laughs> <tomorrow>. okay, okay. <laughs>
2: Sorry, it's not a topic type of day. So, um, I mean, I think it's probably more than half of the book. She really talks about her conservatorship, but the beginning of it is really just leading up. What's wild is how fast the first half of the book goes. At one point, and I don't know if this was a monumental moment for you guys, I feel like we're all millennials here. Uh, I remember vividly the halftime show of the Super Bowl when it was her and Aerosmith and NSYNC and Nelly and Mary J. Blige. Like, oh, yeah, do yeah, you yeah. guys? Re- I think if you guys don't give me something for this, um, oh. that's
0: drawing a blank on my memory. I, what? Yeah. Okay, oh, listen, fuck? That yeah. was. I don't Absolutely. usually watch I, that stuff, but I will look it up for you just to piece. I, this. I can, if have you tell no me the words, year, right maybe right
1: if you tell me the year, that might help. I, but like, I think I was like in junior high.
2: Well, it would have been when the they were super popular, so I got to go with like 2000, 2001. Oh yeah, I wasn't
1: watching football then, so I didn't see. Sorry. Anyways, continue. Okay, I don't, really-
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, don't mind our ignorance. We're so we so will uh, look it up later. So we'll upset look it up later. about this. Okay.
2: God. <laughs> well, well, fine, that was a monumental moment in Super Bowl history, okay. but, you know, for a halftime show. But also, I just remember that performance, and so in the book, it's a fucking barely a paragraph Ah. and so it was reading the book is wild because there's things that she'll talk about where it was in my childhood Mm -hmm. like i remember seeing her music video uh well shoot hit me baby one more Mm. time like or i think it's just baby i remember hearing that song and seeing that video i remember the first memory of it and so when she talks about it it's just so like dismissive over all of these things. So it is a little wild to read it like that mm-hmm. because she kind of just bypasses these huge things that happened to her but those are the only things that I know that happened to her yeah she focuses more on these personal things that I didn't know about Mm -hmm. um one thing that I think is extremely interesting first of all Justin Timberlake is getting direct oh I know he turned off his comments on Instagram amazing you know what that motherfucker (laughs) as he should I'm sorry I was never I was never a big fan of JT whenever that happened. I chose sides early on because Britney Spears, I was obsessed with her as a (laughs) 13-year-old. Loved her to death. Um, And then, yeah, it's bad. I just always hated this whole... I remember, I think it was Wanda Sykes. She interviewed him at a like red carpet event one time and said something like, "How does it feel to be an honorary black man or something?" Yeah. And he just kind of was like all taken a ab- like taken aback. And I th- in my opinion, she was making fun of oh, him yeah. because he was so NSYNC boy band. And then as soon as NSYNC was over, he kind of started I don't know tra- tried to change his image or whatever you call that, but. They talk a little bit, of, or she talks a little bit about it in the book about just kind of not, I wouldn't say making fun of him, but just more talking about his behavior. Mm. And like when he met, I believe it was when he met Genuine, he said like fashiz or mm, something. Obvious. And then he just kind of got like ignored. And so to me, yeah. Br- Brittany's kind of making fun of him a little bit, but in a nice way. <laughs> a weird part is she calls, she refers to him as Jay sometimes. That was a little strange because ew.
0: But But they're the the behind-the-scenes people, so they would have nicknames like that.
2: Yeah. The biggest thing I remember about – at least about their relationship as a human who was existing when they broke up is whenever he started to talk about – I think, like, having sex with her after they broke up, people were always like, oh, was she a virgin? Did you guys ever have sex? Blah, blah, blah. That was back in the day when everything wasn't so accessible, all information wasn't everywhere, Mm -hmm. right? So in the book, she references that and says almost how when he said, like, basically said, Yeah, of course we had sex, she wasn't mad about that and was like, Oh, it it gave me the freedom to like not be virginal anymore and Uh, I felt recognized as like a woman. One take that I thought was interesting, because after that part, when she's talking about this, she's like, I'd been having sex since I was 14. Why anyone thought I was a virgin? I don't know. I never said that. And then oh. talks about uh, how they lived together for two years. She's like, why did anyone think we weren't having sex? I didn't know that when I was that age of her, like, her and him breaking up. They Uh genuinely had a house together and were living together, but that wasn't on the news. Like, that wasn't being reported. So I do, like, now reading it, and it is so weird that, like, all of these adult, adult, like, even Diane Sawyer's grilled her. Like, all these grown-ass adults in their 40s talking to this 18-year-old girl, like, how dare you wear a midriff and are your breasts real and the whole book is just so in your face of why was i treated like this mm. and it's just it would not be acceptable now i don't know why it was acceptable then it's gross but oh my anyway, my gosh the conservatorship part is definitely like the last half and what i will say is that it happens so fast i think and she loses control so easily to conservatorship to other people making decisions in my mind and at least how it read was it was just like in a blink of an eye all of a sudden there were no decisions and it just happened
0: so the time, yeah oh, so ahead. today's topic is about conservatorship and how how that happens and how it impacts the people who are yeah are, and caregiving are the as well conservators not the conservators yeah. the caregivers of the conservators caregivers, that's what i meant yeah. to say so how do you – how did um, this happen for Britney Spears? Like what
2: – I th- The timeline a little bit goes from – because she was going through it and I – it probably had a lot to do with like postpartum, but it definitely was like environmental at least what was going on with her. And what was his name? K-Fed or oh, yeah. Kevin Federline. Yeah. It was – she was just going through a lot of stuff. Her entire world, I think, her breakup with Justin Timberlake, the way that she writes it was devastating mm. and – kind of, you know, one of those life-altering things that she went through. I think very quickly met Kevin Federline after that. And then, you know, she had a, she, both of her sons, I think she had the baby, the first son, and then was pregnant again less than three months later. Mm. So, you know, basically two straight years she was pregnant, and then all of it happened very quickly. What I think is kind of nuts is a reason for her to have conservatorship, is that in I think it was in January 2008, in the beginning of January, she was 5150'd with no other information. The reality of what that looks like, we'll never know because of HIPAA and, you know, privacy laws, thankfully. Um, And then she was 5150'd again in the end of the month. And then literally like two days later, her dad got temporary conservatorship in the courts. But I mean— We're all professionals in the world. We understand that a 5150 doesn't always
0: necessitate a caregiving situation. Right. So then it has to be somewhat severe. I mean, I'm not familiar too much with that kind of reality, but
2: thoughts? Well, just to be 51, immediately, as soon as I saw that it was only a 5150 hold, right away, that means it wasn't more, you know, they never had to go back to the courts and ask for more time. So right away, it was at least less than Mm -hmm. 72 hours. But I mean, a fifty-one-fifty hold in most states isn't even a re- isn't even reason enough to lose your job. No, like that's or not your rights, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's being held on a fifty-one-fifty is a civil right violation. So they're held to be very serious. Mm-hmm. It's just that I have many questions. I mean, immediately it's like who who held, who made that hold? Because obviously, it has to be a medical professional or a police officer. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I've seen those be put in place when I felt like maybe they weren't super appropriate or maybe there was something different. Um, The biggest thing is at the court, the two months after the temporary court ordered conservatorship was supposed to be done, the judge ruled that the dad would retain control of his daughter for an indefinite period of time. And the quote is, the conservatorship is necessary and appropriate the complexity of financial and business entities and her being susceptible to undue influence and if that isn't fucking wild i don't know what is because immediately as soon as i see that it's oh she's getting a conservatorship mm. because of money right i mean it's yeah, right it's there, monetary financial yeah. and business yeah if she was poor would her dad want conservatorship over her that would right. be an
1: interesting concept And I don't think you listed anything about health and well-being in that, did you? Not in that. Not that statement, yeah. Undue influence. What does that
2: even mean? I think she's about, I I have no idea. I mean, when I see this, I get all psycho-feminist about it. And I'm like, of course, (laughs) fucking men have to go to the courts and, you know, rule over her. And it's just, it's just
1: wild that it happened. how old was she? And she was in her 20s at this point, right?
2: In 2008. Eight is when it happened. Oh gosh, I think she was born in like, hold on, let me,
1: let me, sorry, do a I'm quick requiring Google. math here. But I guess part of me is wondering with that, she was definitely
2: <sighs> in her 20s, absolutely. Okay,
1: like with that undue influence, you know, obviously having a lot of resources, um, but also being young, mistakes will happen, right? So one can argue it was her parent trying to like look out for her and her best influence, but it's like an indefinite undef- amount of time that this conservatorship would be there. She's obviously stable at this point like so it does just boil down to money you found out what was the math how old was she
2: <laughs> at least the year wise in february she might have been 26 but in 2008 she was 27 Wow! can you imagine no. your father taking control of everything in your life at 27 years old no oh my god no i didn't know she was that old not that that's old but
1: but she's not a teenager. I'm a child right? now and she's I'm in not the 30s. Like, but I can <laughs> But she's not like 15 or in a child right. celebrity or, you know, something like that. So, wow.
0: And But does she have a diagnosis? I mean, you don't really see these things like for other celebrities who are around her age, like Selena Gomez or Ariana Grande. They right. could have had the same influence on them as Brittany did. What made mm-hmm. her situation so dire? Did she have a diagnosis?
2: Honestly, uh, well, if she did, um, it's not exactly put out there. I think things were talked about of what she may or may not have. Um, but a 5150 hold, you can get diagnosed. In an, but yeah. that's that's basically an emergency room. Right. I right. mean, they can give you some meds and give you – but that's – it's follow up with care. Like this is an urgent situation and usually you were going to harm yourself or someone else. But again, that's also kind yeah. of based on an opinion. Statements weren't exactly made. And
0: that's the only thing but- that the public sees because it's very much she was 27 at this point. She could have mm-hmm. been getting preventative services all this time. Like she's been seeing a therapist, seeing a psychiatrist, who knows, in rehab several times. Who knows what the circumstances that led up to that were. But then this was the Those final. Those things not ex-
2: happened, though. Those things had not happened.
0: We don't know. Maybe they did in secret. Or at least in the book, yeah. and
2: that hadn't happened yet
0: either. Maybe she was dealing um, with so much trauma from the relationships and all that stuff that, that yeah. she was doing something on the side. She does mention on somewhere, I read somewhere, that she was in therapy for a while and had a therapist. Mm-hmm. And Maybe it was her court documents, but um maybe that could have been the case. And the caregiver was like, all right, girl, like you're spending all your money that you worked on for years on... All kinds of crazy stuff. We got to reel it back in.
2: But why? But it was her money. Immediately, I'll just have that opinion of it's only when money is involved in situations like this. And it's like we can't let you spend all your money. Why? It's my fucking money. I was up there <laughs> holding the snake, not That's you. That's true. Like it's. Just, I see poor people walking down the street talking to themselves all the time. Where's their conservators?
0: Not a lot of family will step up. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in the that kind of experience in those situations, I feel like a lot of family will be like, "Oh man, this is exhausting to take care of somebody."
2: Well, and that's the thing. I I have a lot of weird opinions on this because I think it's just very complex. Like they said, she wasn't able to make decisions on her own, yet she was able to. She was engaged at one point. That person also was like a co-conservator, so she's not allowed to make even she, she can't even like really go to the doctor without like permission yeah. she's not allowed to do really anything she's allowed to be forced to perform forced to do all of these things but yet she can understand the complexities of getting married and agree to that
0: yeah a lot of those so things is this really this is really
2: about money in my opinion
0: can people who under, are under conservatorship still make choices like that like, like can There's they one. go get married to whoever they want? Can they still do those things? Or is that – I don't really understand the entire dynamics of conservatorship. I think it depends oh, no, on
1: what's within it, right? Like, it sounds like in Brittany's case – um how she would continue to make money. seems like that was something she still had to do. But then maybe they put some clauses in there where you're mentioning Becca about, you know, not having the space to go to the doctor on her own and that sort of thing. Um, But it depends. In most cases, it's usually just about finances, power of attorney, um, not being able to purchase things. Um, But I think it does depend on the case, on the situation.
2: Agreed. Oh, She's completely right. Because um, interesting enough, power of attorney is like a way more powerful hold than a conservatorship only because that's like, do whatever you want. You now have power of attorney. But if you have a conservatorship, that's supposed to be better because they're under such supervision of court and you go to court so frequently. So it's it ideally, it's supposed to be better for the conservatee, the person with the the ship over them is because they're supposed to be, like, Did she talk about that at
1: all in the book is what I'm trying to, you know, like, she did, like, when they had to go for recent court appearances and things like that?
2: Yeah, and how she was, like, able to, I think she only, I think it was years before, like, her voice was able to be heard. Wow. And a lot of it is put up to, or, like, a, a lot of other people's opinions is put up And this, because nobody, she didn't go to court and no one was like, oh, who's this? Who's Britney Spears? I wonder what's going on in her life. No, it was everywhere. Um, Everyone knew what was going on with her. And the way that the public, or I don't want to say the public, the way that the media portrayed what she was doing was so unhinged. And maybe it's because of this idyllic image we wanted. mm -hmm. We wanted a Madonna, or not like the person Madonna, but we wanted like the, like Mary Mother of God, Madonna type of thing, and virginal and pure, but she was never that way. So the idea that she was sort of painted like that is weird when you look at her like, history, discography. Yeah. yeah. When you look at all of it, it was never like that. So why the media portrayed her that way is weird because then it looks like she fell from grace so hard. Mm-hmm. But really, she was doing maybe I mean, she that was, was publicity. She talks
0: you know, maybe that was the whole setup that she had with her publicist and whoever was in charge of her music industry in the music industry that that's the that's mm-hmm. the image they wanted to portray for her. And when she started maybe. to just when her true self was emerging in this nasty way in the media, then he they had to do that. Okay, well, now here's your fall from grace, and you're gonna have to live with it. And that's how I she's ended just, up in these situations. Is that maybe? She didn't meet up to the image she was promised or she had promised to meet up to.
2: At least according to her, she never promised it. And even if like when I think back on that music video, she's in like the I I get it. She's in the schoolgirl outfit, but it's in it like it's all like tied up and Mm -hmm. like her tummy showing. And to me, it was like in the very beginning, she was going against that type of image But yet we still wanted it. So the public, the media still wanted – you know, she's being asked in interviews – oh, she talks about that one. I don't know if you guys remember it. I think it was like the VMA Awards where she talks about um, the sparkly little like flesh-colored outfit she's wearing when she rips off like the business suit and she's all dancing and stuff. And she's interviewed after that, immediately after that and is asked, um, you know, basically, how dare you? Little girls are watching you why do you think you're yeah. allowed to do this? And I think she, at the time she was like 19. She's oh, trying wow. to like, create
0: her own image. She's old yeah. enough to do what she wants, but yet she's still yeah, and sucked into the, the youth.
2: Yeah. And I think, and I mean, first of all, it's MTV,
0: you know, you and shouldn't I shouldn't be watching that.
2: <laughs> like 13 year old girls should not be watching it. And that sounds like a, you know, parenting issue. uh control <laughs> issue on the on the tv like what's the past though because i remember that when i was a kid uh, but i mean if like you know other rappers are up there on the same show grabbing their nuts the whole time talking about and we know what is talked about especially in regards to women in some of those songs why is it, and it always, why is it the woman's responsibility? Why was it her
0: fault? That is this an downfall, entirely supposedly. different subject that we would have That's to true. dive <laughs> <That's> into. <getting laughs> Sorry.
2: You know because how I go off on it.
0: that stuff is like wildly deep. But yeah, but
2: let's so now let's talk about what true compassionate caregiving (laughs) really looks like. And when you aren't in it for finance, what is it? What did it what financial and business entities? But let's talk about when you care about your family.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, I um, have provided care for different family members unfortunately, over a number of years now. Um, and you just kind of step in when you need to. And so, but but I will say, and um, you know, not everybody is meant to, to do that job. It's, it's not easy to do. Um, but for me, it just seems like it's something that you're supposed to do. You don't let your family member suffer and not have some of the basic needs. Um, and that's just the basics, right? Like you can't provide the medical perspective, but you can be their advocate when they go to the doctor, you know, and you can make sure they have a good meal and those types of things. So um, I think that's important for everyone to have.
0: Did you feel like... Like when you were doing all of this, did you feel like um, it was like a lot of pressure on you, like unexpected pressure? Was there anyone that you could talk to about like the struggles and stress that you were going through or did you put that on the back burner?
1: Uh, A little bit of both. So I would say definitely a ton of pressure. Um, For my mom, it was a buildup because she had a diagnosis that we fortunately had a number of years with her. So um, my sister and I cared for her throughout that and then in the end together. Um, But the pressure is still there, you Mm -hmm. know, with your own family and Mm -hmm. work and things to that extent. So um, if there was support, I probably could have done a better job using additional support, but um i did I didn't you know you kind of are in real time and mm-hmm. so you put your needs to the side unfortunately, which is what a lot of caregivers do um
0: wow. when they're in
1: that in that situation
0: was it a hard decision for you to be like, okay, I'm gonna be a caregiver for my relative or was it easy? Like this is a no brainer. I'm family.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely no brainer.
0: Yeah. Um. You just,
1: yeah, you know, something comes up and, but that's the part that's hard. You know, when you do have a family member that unexpectedly has a condition that needs help, they need help with, um, you haven't planned for that. Right. So if it's unfortunately like a cancer or something to that extent, you have the buildup of the diagnosis and the treatment and all of that over time, but the unexpected conditions are the hardest, you know, because it's like okay, well, there's no plans in place for this, yeah. and I don't even know. Did you line up any of your banking information or your, you know, work situation or any of that? So, um, those situations are are the harder ones, I think.
0: Oh, what would constitute an, um like an unexpected reason to be a caregiver?
1: Yeah, I would say um, any kind of accident, you know, um, oh, would likely okay. cause that Didn't even think or. Of that. Yeah, or like, you know, a stroke, um, heart, uh, instant heart attack, that type of thing. Um, Any kind of, I would say, condition that just isn't a long term chronic disease Mm. um, would be that. And I I think the other part, too, is also um, the financial aspect, you know, because those are situations in caregiving that people don't think about either. Um, But if they don't have financial resources and they have a health condition, then, you know, they also have a hard time getting to the doctor. And so Mm. are you caring for them? from a financial perspective and also from the physical perspective. And in most cases you are similarly to, you know, the conservatorship that
0: I guess, or maybe power of attorney component, but wow, that's interesting. What about caregivers with who are caregivers for adults with disabilities? That's kind of like a long-term caregiving thing that you got to do. Have, have you heard of that kind of thing?
1: I haven't heard of it um, or experienced it, but I am in the kind of threshold or thick of it right now with parents who have young children um, who have disabilities. And um, that part for me, my heart just course open, you know, because as a parent, um, you know, I've gone through, you know, the developmental stages of up until where my kids are now, but I haven't had to go through those phases and also not be able to teach them how to communicate or express Mm -hmm. themselves um, or work on their emotions and those types of things. So when you have those different types of um, learning differences that appear in children, um, I can imagine that the parents, those caregivers in those instances are beyond exhausted and there's no break, you know, it's their responsibility. As a parent, to care for their babies. And so they do. Um, But in these instances, it's not like, oh, let me prepare you so you can be a good, you know, self sufficient uh, adult. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, no, I'm caring for you for your life term, you know, because you're not able to live on your own. So um, I have been observing that and have been thinking a little bit more about. how I might be able to support those types of caregivers because I wouldn't say they need more support, but the support is different and it's mm-hmm. more long-term mm-hmm. for sure.
2: Well, a lot of states that I've seen when it comes to caregivers,
0: mm-hmm.
2: they'll have like certain, what do they call them? Like out hour, respite hours. Yes. Day, or the like day
0: programs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. But, but the, the organizations and the different states that I've looked into you have to be below a certain That's amount right. of money That's right. for that. Yep. Oh my and it,
1: gosh. Yep.
2: Like so, I mean, yes, if you live in or if you're below the line of like whatever income or whatever, right. then you're able to get those hours, which those hours are necessary and needed. But how? I mean, how much does it cost realistically to bring? First of all, even the idea of trusting someone Correct. to come in and care for your people right. would be huge, yeah. right? But Absolutely. But how much does it cost? I mean. At one hour of someone's time, I mean, we're not talking, you know, 1980s babysitter. Yeah. We're talking real care right. and you would need someone who, you know, knows CPR That's and right. is going to be able to take care of whatever medical issues that, right. your, that your care givee has going That's on. Right. That's going to add up exponentially. Especially oh, yeah. if
0: insurance doesn't cover the cost of those services. Because what if that That's was right. completely out of pocket cost? How many people are even accessing those kind of services anymore?
1: Right. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't well, pay for extra if I didn't
0: about, have extra. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Well, you right. just
2: can't. Yeah. Right. I don't you know what? I don't even know if insurance or private insurance, not like any state or federal I don't know if there's federal insurance. I don't know if there's state state insurance. Yeah. I don't even know if respite hours is covered by
1: I don't, private insurance. I don't think it's covered by private insurance unless it's in the sense of recovering from a condition. Um, but when you have a chronic condition or a chronic learning, you know, difference, that's, that's not changing, you know, so I don't think it's fully covered. And that's the part of the population I'm most interested in for my graduate work wow. is that middle group of socioeconomic folks, you know, the folks that aren't falling and being eligible for Medicaid dollars for that respite care, Um, but the folks that have private insurance, but also need to work, you know, and they also still want to have their loved one at home. They don't want to put them in a facility. Um, And so, you know, what do they do? And those are the caregivers often that don't, they don't have much support and they're, you know, running on fumes, they're trying to do it all. And so um, it would be great if there's some resources that could really go across multiple populations um,
0: for that. If you could think of like a, a program or something like as a social yeah. worker, you know, cause we're all here. Um, like, what do you think would be helpful for caregivers who are in that Bracket of socioeconomic. Yeah. Status. Solve the problem. Yeah. It some lit. solutions <laughs> that you got thinking of.
1: I've got a few solutions I'm cooking up, but um hoping that I can solidify a few of them as well. But um, so some of them that I'm thinking about right now is really that break. Um, so providing a break for the caregiver where they can actually know there's a trusted person that will come um, more of a nonprofit sort of organization. And so, you know, it's, they're vetted folks um, because of medical uh, personnel and coverage. You know, a vocational nurse is well trained. Um, most folks don't uh, give vocational nurses enough credit, but they are amazing. Wow. And um, well, that's LVN, right? Uh, LVNs, yes, licensed mm-hmm. vocational. That's my sister. Nurse. My an <laughs> yes. yes. You're
2: right too. They don't give they don't, them enough credit, they don't. and they're like, "You're not a real nurse." Yes, that's some bullshit, it, right there, it, right. Maddie. You're a real nurse. Yes, love Maddie, you, you are, <laughs> and all of your
1: friends. Because I mean, I think of all nurses as earth angels, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. vocational nurses in particular, they do everything, you know, and so um, not the things that they can't do if they're not registered, of course, as RNs, but but they support the RNs um, to the fullest. And so in, when I've seen the earth angels in hospitals and different facilities for my loved ones, it's the vocational nurses that will also come in and spend more time, right? Because that's part of their role oh, um, that's in side the manner. hospital settings. Oh yeah. And they're so compassionate. And so I think if there is a way to give caregivers a break with someone like that another Earth angel that they know is trained, um, you know, the person can go off and do whatever they need to do. Maybe it's just even grocery shopping without taking everybody with them, mm-hmm. you know, or going for just a walk, you know, and just able to go for a walk. Um, so things to that extent. And then I'm also playing around with the idea of an app. Really? Um, and the, yeah, <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm, yeah, so the app okay. concept is that it would. Um, somehow caregivers, I haven't worked this part out, but somehow caregivers would have this number, right? Where they could text the number and say, I'm in need of this. And within the next 24 hours, they get this. So is it a cup of coffee? Now, of course it has to be within reason, right? Like, how can I, I need to come up with what, what these things can possibly be, but is it a hot cup of coffee where you can just sit and enjoy it? Is it um, a hot meal for yourself or for your caregiver or the, your care, your family mm-hmm. member that maybe you weren't able to prepare? Um, something that would just help Because I think that's the thing about caregivers that folks don't realize is, um, you can come up with a blanket thing that might help them, but the needs vary every day, every second of the day, you know. And so it's hard to predict, well, let me come up with this program for caregivers so they can come here, you know, once a week or once a month. But that might not be what they need, you know, at right. that time. And so um, I think the hardest part for identifying what caregivers need is helping them know you can tell a trusted person that you need something. Because most of the time, they don't tell people what they need, You're right? They just keep going. Amazing. And And
0: that's a fantastic (laughs) idea. That's so innovative. And and you speak from the heart because that's personal experience that you have and things that you needed. And that app totally sounds like the concept of care portal. I don't even know if you've ever heard of it. I know, but I'm writing it down. I write it down, girl. Care- Go <laughs> look <laughs> yes. at it. Um, care yes. Portal is like, um, like a tool that is used for foster care. So concept, same, but you would do your own like similar thing. It's an online oh, wow. platform. Okay. And like it's mostly for preventative services, but also to support kids in foster care. And what they do is like whenever there's a need for a family like – oh, I can't pay my utilities this month, or I need gas money, or in order to return these children home, they need three beds, um, or something like that. It's all supportive services. Well, you know, county employees are not able to give them those things. Right. But um, what, so the work, the social workers... Now, the workers and the, wor- the workers. Sorry, I corrected myself. Um, the workers, or or even like schools use it, hospitals use mm-hmm. it. Oh, wow. they put it into okay. the little.
2: I used it when I was a worker in Canada. Yeah, a lot. they put it into
0: wow. this little a- the online platform and share their yeah. story. Like family is planning to re- reunify, but the kids need beds. Otherwise, the department can't reunify. And then, boom, oh, sends out to all the churches in the area. And the churches can wow. choose to respond and then build the connections up from there. Um, and that's how another support service gets put in place because now these people are meeting. What yes. else do you need? And how else can I support you? And yes, things like that. I mean, oh, it sounds similar. So maybe if you look up the platform, yes, you could recreate absolutely. something similar for caregivers. <laughs> love it. I think
2: it's interesting talking about what caregivers need just like what you were saying and the needs vary one thing that obviously is not dismissed within the within the three of us but i think is why is broadly dismissed for caregivers is it becomes every bit of their life that's all they are all they are all the time and maybe they get to go to work but in their mind Mm -hmm. constantly is a weight that is never lifted it's never less it's never ever and so we think of caregivers only of what do you need in the sense of caregiving not what do you, what do you need yeah how
0: You all right? How are you
2: really? Yeah. Right. Do you need to go to the gym? Like, do you need to, just like how you said cup of coffee, like, do you need to leave and go get a cup of coffee? It reminds me a little bit like when family will go uh, visit um, a new mom Mm -hmm. or a mom who just had a baby, doesn't have to be a new mom, but a mom who just had a baby and they come over and they're like, oh, I came to help you. But really they want to hold the baby. And they're like, oh, I came to help so you can do the dishes right. and you can clean. <laughs> right. I'll just hold the I'll baby. I'll hold the baby
1: while you do it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like, I want to do the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to hold the baby. Absolutely. Not, and so that was something for me whenever my sister, what, adopted they got their new baby and that was a big piece even still that baby I call him a baby that baby's about to be (laughs) three years old even now when I go visit my family something I'm doing right away is I'm like cleaning out the refrigerator they got three kids running around like crazy and so when I I, my role that I kind of understand what people need is looking around at like the laundry that needs to be done or the refrigerator that needs to be cleaned out you know shit nobody wants to do Mm -hmm, anyway but you definitely don't have the mental or emotional strength or motivation to be able to get up and do that kind of thing right
1: right or the Oof. any of those the strength to even think of the list that's the thing that people oh don't God. realize right so when you go the mental your, load yeah when you go to your sister's house i think that's amazing that you're like okay i can see there's three loads of laundry that need to be folded i'm just going to mm-hmm. do it i'm not even going to ask you can i help you fold the laundry you just start and i think that's that's amazing That's awesome.
2: Well, sometimes even that question, Mm -hmm. like, what do you need help with? Fucking my life, man. I don't know. (laughs) Take a look. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever had a partner that doesn't understand the shit that needs to get done in the house. But when I've been asked before, like. Oh, what do you need help with? First of all, I don't need help with anything. We live
1: here. Yes, that's right. right. <laughs> so why don't
2: you go load your laundry? <laughs> but it kind of like that, it, it makes me think like that. Absolutely. Like someone immediately is like, "Man, I don't just yep. take a look around. Mm-hmm. What doesn't need to get done?" Mm-hmm. But. That's
0: right. That's right. That's right. Well, although there's some situations where caregivers are may or may not warranted, there are a lot where they are, and they're absolutely amazingly. And they they weren't prepared for something like this, but then they step into the role just like you, Liz. And I think that's great. I think that's amazing what you, this this whole life experience has created a testimony for you to be able to use it as a platform to launch you into the next phase of your life. You know, I don't believe in coincidences. Sometimes we go through (laughs) things for a reason, right? And then it helps us with future planning and decisions that maybe making an app for caregivers, because who would understand them better than you?
1: Mm. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's, That's a, awesome. Earth
2: angels got me a little bit in the heart a little bit. Like,
1: damn. I, I've <laughs> called nurses earth angels since I had my first daughter. I'm like, oh, Aww. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Amazing.
2: That's a testament to that nurse because yeah. you didn't name him earth demon. I, so <laughs> must have been a good nurse.
1: <laughs> she was amazing. She was amazing. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of earth angels walking around here, you know. But um, yeah. sometimes you just got to, as Ash is mentioning, just have the experiences, live the experiences to find them. Mm-hmm. so yeah mm-hmm.
2: one thing before before we like roll off i i'm gonna tell a little bit of a personal story and it was a few years ago uh not a few years ago by now it was she my grandmother passed a few years ago but before that there were some decisions that had to get made right and i i have such regrets about it now um but the judgment i think i felt in my heart and the judgment that was everywhere by other people of the decisions that were made by uh my grandfather on you know putting her in a home and not what i thought would have been better would have been you know in home services or someone else taking care but It's this idea that we have no idea what a caregiver really goes through or Mm -hmm. what the day-to-day life is living with someone who needs to be taken care of all the time. And I think that'll, that'll probably, I'll always be dual in my thoughts on that because I was angry for so long and then sad and then kind of trying to be as understanding as possible. But that lingering judgment from other people constantly of you should have done this. Why aren't you doing this better? And it's like, you don't live here, man. You don't.
0: You, you don't, don't see do the, the day-to-day day. stuff.
2: You don't see – yeah, you don't see every moment and you don't have to wear that – the weight of it all, all the time. And even – there's still anger with my father on how things were taken mm-hmm. care of with, with his mom. I mean, it's his mommy. So with that, I still f- feel the anger that my dad has when he talks about it. And I think that's probably just, a you know, part of grief and how his pain has, you know, resonated within him. Yeah, It's easier to blame. Just It feels better to be angry rather than sad, but it's that judgment Mm -hmm. that we have on caregivers all the time. Yeah. You don't do it this way. Do it this way. Like, bro,
0: you ain't here. Exactly. It's easier to make decisions from the outside because I'm selfish and I want this person to live longer and I want this person to be around longer, but I only visit them once a month. That's kind of like – you know, the catalyst to that kind of judgment is, yeah, of course I want them to live longer, but I don't know what the caregiver's actually going through on the day-to-day. I don't know the ins and outs. Yeah,
2: but it doesn't affect every moment of my life and every facet of my life. Right.
0: Well, and I think a
1: good caregiver too will always keep the person in the center of their heart, you know? So your Mm -hmm. grandfather at the time maybe was at capacity or maybe just knew she needed additional support than he could provide, but that is hard for everybody to accept. And so that's where the the, the caregiving part becomes sort of this family event, but then also it still t- ties back to the whoever's the main folks, you know, kind of in it. So um, yeah,
2: you'll get the blame yeah. and the credit. Oh, it's either you did the best yeah. or you did the worst. <laughs> I don't know if there is a medium in Right, that. right. Um, or at least I, I haven't seen it.
0: Right. Well, thank you uh, so much for joining us today, Liz, on our episode of conservatorship caregiver. Sometimes we just can't keep it together, so.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for letting me go. I loved Brittany. it.
0: It's Brittany, yeah. bitch. I had to do something. And that's a wrap for today's episode. And that's a wrap for today's topic. If you want to stay in the loop of anything new and exciting happening with this crazy duo, be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Clinically Impressed. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to stay connected, stay hydrated, and always
2: practice safe social work.